Hey there, fellow nerd. Welcome to Pop Nerd Lounge, the podcast for the creative soul. I'm your host, Steph Pham. We're back for a brand new season of creative conversations aimed at the heart and soul. To make sure you get all of the season four episodes, make sure you're subscribed to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pop Nerd Lounge. Co-producer V. Co. joins me as we chat with our incredible guest. He has a tale about taking leaps. Even though he originated from a background in marketing and advertising, he always had the desire and passion to be a part of the music community. Fast forward to today, where he serves as a current manager for Dance Pop Phenom Arizona. Their latest album, Asylum, is out now. Please welcome our guest, Jay Posner. Welcome to Pop Neuron Lounge. Today, I'm joined by my guest co-host, V. V, thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks for having me. And for our guest today, we have Jay Posner. Jake, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me, guys. You came from a marketing background and had no prior experience with managing artists. How did you navigate this world as you began to take on the role of managing Arizona? So I guess to give a little bit of context to my background, so I'd always loved music. That was definitely always a big passion of mine. And I knew that I somehow, some way wanted to be involved in music as a career. So when I went off to college, I went to school in Indiana University in Indiana. I grew up in Long Island, New York, and I knew that I wanted to do music. I thought first that the first ambition was going to be I wanted to be a music producer So I got to my freshman dorm in Indiana as a hip hop producer, and I was just trying to make beats and meet other artists and just make music. And that quickly transitioned to me realizing that the creative process was one that I didn't necessarily see myself being such a, playing such a large role in just because as a producer, production was hard. I knew what I wanted things to sound like. I struggled with learning how to get it there. So for me, I kind of quickly transitioned into you know, it's like, I still know that I love music. I love being able to play a role in, in artists' careers and, and get to know artists. And I think it was just, it's such a, a beautiful world to be in. So I was like, what's a different place that I could be in it? And that came pretty quickly into the world of discovery. And I love discovering music. And so I was, I was following blogs for a very long time. I started to get pretty deep with that. And I started writing for blogs. Um, one blog in particular for about four years called fistintheair.com, which was big in the college era has since actually, I think they've, they've even closed their doors and they don't even write anymore, but it was a really cool place for me because that was kind of my outlet. That was when I found music that I was really excited about, or I saw other people posting about music. You know, it was like, for me, I got to be able to say, this is an artist that is incredible. You, everyone needs to be paying attention to them. You know, I found it off of SoundCloud or I found it on, on this website. And it was cool because you got to actually see such a big community of people start to band behind artists that no one had known before. Or, you know, this is like around the rise of Skrillex when people didn't know Skrillex, but all the websites started posting, you know, that was, it was cool because you got to see the internet really react to music and you got to watch the community actually surround themselves. And for me, that was one of the coolest things in the world. And I did that for, I was writing for probably close to four years for free. I would willingly put, you know, five or six hours of my day into it just because I genuinely just love discovery. And at nights I would DJ. Um, I DJed my fraternity parties. Uh, it was, it was always a cool place to actually be able to play music and curate. Um, and I think all those things kind of played a role in just me understanding how much I like to be a part of the scene. And I like to help, not necessarily even curate the culture, but participate in creating an awareness of, you know, who, who's making incredible music right now, who should we be listening to? And DJing was more or less just a forum for which me to be like, yo, I want to play some awesome music. I'm going to play some awesome music. 
Um, and to get to watch people actually react in real time is one of the most, is one of the most rewarding things in general. So I wanted to find a way to continue to do that. I was doing that at the same time at school. I basically, I would go home every summer to New York city. I would intern at a, uh, a record label, a record label called Megaforce records. They're based in union square in the city. And through my, my boss, her name is Missy Galazzo. Missy had linked me with Sony and Sony has a campus rep or campus promoters uh, program where on campus I would be assigned campaigns, whether that would be for, you know, for like uh, Jason Aldean or for OK Go, you know, any of the Sony artists that they were promoting at the time, I would be the one on the ground that would get the posters. I would be going to, you know, to, to stores or relevant, you know, places that would make sense for the music. I would just be putting it up around campus and just creating that awareness, which was cool at least because I was seeing what, how record labels were able to actually activate with their major artists. While at the same time, I was spending time with the artists that were super, super like on the ground, ground level, writing on blogs, just getting, you know, digital write-ups. Um, and so all of those things kind of together and collectively, I think it taught me a bit about what the process was like for, artists both on you know the the grassroots level as well as on the well-established level with a record label of you know this is how their teams are promoting them they're trying they're putting a little bit of a budget into this there's there's physical promotions involved rather than just word of mouth and internet stuff um and so fast forwarding to my graduation i graduated i was trying to get into music i wasn't able to find a job in music because especially it's New York City, and unless you have you know that direct connection, that amazing opportunity to be able to just walk right in, you know it's it's hard. It's hard for everybody, no matter what your background really is. Um, so the right wasn't it wasn't really the right time at the right place. But I knew that I was passionate about music still. But I'd also gotten some exposure to working with some really cool brands. Um, so my first instinct was marketing. Uh, I was a marketing major, and I was like, well, I can at least go in through that route. And if music is meant to be, one day I'll go back there. And so I went into advertising. Uh, I started at an advertising magazine. I was an intern doing social media for a magazine called Ad Age. And it was a really cool place. I got exposure to see. It's basically, it's, it's almost the blog of the advertising world that's speculating on what are the campaigns that are really moving the needle right now. What are the things that are really impressive that's happening in the space? What are tech companies doing? So it was a really cool place. And it was also, I was learning about the marketing culture. And about what big brands were doing to push their products forward, which is not very different from the same way that artists and labels treat artists as, as products, not that they're products, but rather servicing the products. So I was doing that for a little bit, had transitioned then from uh, ad age to an agency called Digitas, where I was kind of like a full-blown media buyer. So I was basically tasked with strategizing with a certain amount of budget you know, it's like, where are we going to place our digital advertising on the internet? So when I was on these, you know, when I used to write for the blogs and on any website, you would see the banner ads and all the things around it that brands were placing. And it was my job to place those and to find cool, cool ways to actually integrate advertising into the right contextual circumstances to where it makes sense for the audience. And, you know, I think that does go hand in hand with marketing in so many ways to where you're just like learning how to understand data and interpret data and target people and understand how people react to marketing. And all these are kind of like fundamental things, I think, which helped get me to where I am now. But uh, I guess to continue the story as far as chronologically speaking, and then, and then the, the long rant will be over. <laughs> uh, but to basically, I was, I went from media planning and I realized that you know, I, I'm, I've always been a very passion-driven person. So I love to do what I'm very passionate about. And I think when I get to a point to where it's like, you know, I, I really enjoyed this, but I just don't think my passion lies here. I need to figure out what the next thing is for me, which at the time I wanted to be more connected to the creative messaging, you know, while I was in advertising. I wanted to be able to have a voice and say that, you know, I think that it would make more sense or it would feel better if, if the, the brand voiced the advertising this way rather than me just getting a banner and just placing it here, you know, it's like I would be able to actually help them craft the messaging that would actually connect with people. So I was an account executive, which basically I facilitated the process between creatives and clients for another year and a half, got burnt out really quickly. And this is basically where the transition began. Advertising was a really cool place for me to work. 
I love, love, love marketing. I love watching the way that brands are able to grow their business. But I think that ultimately I was like, you know what? I need to really find what it is that I'm passionate about. So I was thinking about music, but I was also applying to some other places. And I was doing a series of interviews at that time. It was about five years ago with Vice. And Vice is a super hot brand, you know, super, super hot brand five years ago, especially. That was kind of like when they were really starting to blow up. And I was, I, I ended up, the, the interviews fell through and I just took a weekend off to decompress and just kind of just collect myself and, and recenter myself. And for me, a place to where I go on the internet just to decompress is Reddit. And so I was on Reddit just browsing aimlessly, just really just trying to kind of think about anything else than the job hunt and, and trying to refocus because it's, you know, I, we were, I was in my early twenties, you know, it's a, it's a point in your life to where it's like you I graduated school. I was like, I'm supposed to be finding my career. Now I'm thinking about making a career shift and there's a lot of things happening. I just wanted to de-stress. And I was just browsing on the video section of subreddit uh, of, of Reddit. It's just, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the subreddits, but there's a video subreddit, which is just endless video content, whether it's music related, not music related. And I stumbled upon a video after about an hour or two of just aimless browsing. It's like, hey guys, this is my first time singing on camera. We shot, edited, and directed this ourselves. We covered a Taylor Swift song. I hope you enjoy it. And, you know, I, you know, my, my instinct was sure. Why not? I've got nothing better to do. And I clicked it and I watched it and immediately there was, there was a production quality there that I wasn't expecting. Cause it was like, this is your first video you've ever posted. And not very long after, as soon as I really got to listen to it, there was a sound there and I was, you know, blown away just in general with, you know, there wasn't even any kind of how do I make a business out of this thought process? More of just like, what is this? Who is this? And I think the really special thing about that was it kind of kicked off some instincts of my own. And I guess it was just a lot of the, the cumulative experiences in my life to have been like, well, this is obviously something that's so early on, but there's an incredible sound here. These guys make amazing music and they, th this is their first video and they're, looks like maybe they produce it themselves. All I knew was I needed to know more. And so I responded to the, uh, to the Reddit post and I asked if they had more music because I was that the, the bad blood cover blew me away. I got a response not long later, long after. And, uh, they said, yeah, we have a few more, we have a few more songs up on our SoundCloud. And I clicked the SoundCloud link, uh, and I listened through it. They had five songs. They had, I think it was two originals and three covers. And, I had listened through all of that and that was kind of the point where my stomach dropped and I was like, like, this is like my new favorite band. And what am I finding? They have less than a thousand plays on every song. They have 70 followers on SoundCloud. They don't have social media. They don't have an email to reach them. I was just like, and, and this all of a sudden I think really kind of clicked where my blog background and, and knowing how that world worked. My, I guess to, to kind of answer your question, the first instinct I had was, if I get involved with this, I just have to get it on the internet because it's just good. It's, it's amazing. And people just need to hear this. You know, like I don't know the rest of the steps after that. All I know is that I've been, I'm in a, a really precarious, precarious point in my life to where I'm looking for the right thing for me. I'm looking for something to pour my passions into. The timing makes sense. I've just stumbled upon what seems to be my favorite band I've ever found just in general. And these guys need help. They very clearly need help. Um, and so I sent them a note, my, my first, the kind of the first action that I took was let me, I'll, let me reach out to them. Uh, and they didn't have an email. So I just reached out to them on SoundCloud and I sent them a message and I said, Hey, you know, my name is Jake. This is my background. You know, I, I, I found this. I think you guys are incredible. I think you have so much potential. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you have going on. Um, I'm in New York. I found out that they were from New Jersey. I thought that they were in Arizona for all I knew because their name was Arizona. And I, you know, I, I was like, if there's, you know, if you guys are around, I, I figured a central place between New York and New Jersey. I was living in the financial district at the time. I was like, well, it'll be the High Line in Chelsea, which is just, I don't know if you, either of you guys have been, but it's, it's the West side of, of New York city. And it's a cool, like, you know, there's a, there's a boardwalk kind of thing and it's a good central meeting place. And they said, you know, why not? Like, let's, we'd love to meet. 
um, David from the band was the one who replied to me and it was, it was cool because I think one of the things that he had seen off the bat was he saw a potential synergy in the fact that I worked in advertising and he actually used to be a creative in advertising. So there were kind of a yin and a yang already there from a previous world where we had similarities and, you know, his basic thought process was maybe we'd have some cool synergies. Maybe there'd be really cool ways that we'd immediately understand each other, but also that we could work together. Um, so they were interested in meeting. We ended up meeting about a week or so later and just spent a few hours together. Like I gave them my whole spiel. You know, I gave them my pitch on, on, you know, here's, I, I think you guys are absolutely incredible. I think that if we really do this, this music can reach a lot of people. You know, I, I remember even at that time too, like I, I believed, and I still do believe is, you know, I'm like, these guys can play arenas. These guys can play, this music can reach stadiums. Like this is not, you know, this is not just like a niche type of music to where only a few people will like it. And if so, awesome too. But it was more of like, this is, this is real music. I think this is just like, and it's, and it's incredible. And I just want to help you guys. And the crazy part too, is I think, cause they had been writers and producers for the better part of probably 10 years at that point. And they'd been writing and producing for other people with, with little to no success on a lot of the stuff that they had done in the past. And Arizona was really their kind of way out of just saying, you know what, we've done this for so long. This is kind of our last hurrah. We're not going to make this music for anyone else, but let's just try to make something for us. See if it's any good, you know, and they made it. And, you know, that was one of the craziest things to me because the music was so good, but they didn't necessarily even think that anything was going to come from it. They were like, yeah, it's fine. You know, it's, it's cool. It's, it's cool. But like, this is, this business is hard. You know, this is, this is not an easy thing to do. And, you know, like basically they were managing their expectations at such a low level to where they're like, look, if like, you know, kid, if you want to try to throw this out into the internet, go for it. And I said, if, you know, if you guys want to even give it a shot, I'm your guy. And so they said, yes. And from there, I kind of just hit the ground running. I hit every single blogger, every single person that, had a voice, big or small, tastemakers, YouTube curators, uh, Spotify playlisters, anyone that I thought potentially would have a voice that could help get this music out there. And, you know, it was a, it was a process. It was, you know, you get, it's like a shotgun approach. You get 5% of the people to respond back, you know, 2% of which will post. But, you know, I, the thing was, was ultimately, and you could be a good salesman, but if you don't have the product, then nothing's going to happen. And this product was outstanding, you know, and I, I just felt so good about it and I believed in it so much. And, you know, it was really only a matter of time where I had hit enough people and, and some of the right people had with the right voices had come along. And before we knew it, Arizona just started to have an internet presence. You know, it started with a, a YouTube curator called Mr. Suicide Sheep back in August of 2015. And that was a big, big, big channel for, you know, especially for me as a, as a music fan. Um, the same day I put uh, the song I Was Wrong up on Spotify that it came out on Mr. Suicide Sheep, which started what I kind of referred to as like the ripple effect of, of Arizona kind of being known in some way, shape or form or, or, or an awareness kind of starting where people had found them on YouTube. Then they started to save the music down on Spotify, add it to playlists and then before I knew it, because, you know, I retroactively, I was, I, I, in hindsight, I, I realized how, how awesome and, and timely it worked out. A lot of the algorithms inside of Spotify started raising flags of there's this band called Arizona that a lot of people are starting to save. And I think it made itself aware to the editorial team of there's this band called Arizona. You should listen to them. And before we knew it, you know, we put out another song on, you know, out ourselves on Spotify and, and it landed new music Friday. And we had no idea how that happened. You know, we were like, I, you know, I, I wasn't taking credit for, for landing it there. I was just trying to help the process. And, you know, I think what we learned pretty quickly was even with that initial ripple effect, you know, that, that initial wave, just throwing in that, that rock, um, it had reached people and it had reached some of the right people at Spotify that quickly became fans uh, and banded behind the, the, the band, you know, and from there we started having label conversations, you know, it, it just kind of started to snowball. So I guess to, to answer your question, the first, the first instinct of kind of, what do you do? All I knew is I wanted to get it on the internet. 
I was like, and, and that I had some kind of a background in the rest was, was a lot of figuring out, but sorry for the, the little rant, but I <laughs> figured I'd give you the zero to 60 a little bit. <laughs> oh, no, that, that's a great story. We love a full circle moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, and I think that's kind of what, how life is in general is I think who we are as people is just a culmination of, of the experiences that we go through and figuring out how do we best utilize the things that we've learned to kind of move ourselves forward towards pursuing our passions and, and actually making ideas or dreams or thoughts an actual reality. And that was square one, you know, like there was a, there is still a lot of stuff I don't know. There was a ton of stuff I had no idea what I was doing with back then, but it was just kind of a gut instinct thing. Um, and I'm super lucky that it, that it started to grow from there, you know? Yes. You just got to put it out there and, and you just hope for the best. Very much so. Um, you know, I think that, <laughs> I, I think, you know, it, it's very much, I mean, it's a hope for the best. It's just an optimism that I have. I've always been kind of a, kind of a crazy relentless optimist. I've just, you know, and I think that it's proven me right in a lot of ways in life is just like when you really pursue something and you believe in it, there shouldn't be a reason to stop doing it if you believe in it. And, you know, whether it was almost a naive thing with Arizona, it was also some kind of reinforcement of, of the idea to where if you believe in something, you can you, you watch how it grows. And, you know, that's such a great example for me in life. And it was such an incredible life lesson of, you know, I thought this band was special. And I was at the at the time, one of probably 70 people that knew about it. And all I all I knew was that it's not just the 70 people that are going to like it. Like there's way more people. There's gotta be way more people. And I, I, I have to help. I have to figure it out. And to have been able to watch that evolve from that 70 people to millions of people across the world that stream the music to, you know, to seeing the festivals firsthand and watching 10,000 people, 15,000 people come out just to see the band is, it's probably one of the coolest, most surreal things in life just because it's, you know, these are just a bunch of kids that, you know, didn't think anything was going to come of it. You know, it was, it had no presence on the internet and it, all it took was a bunch of kids to, you know, to actually start to believe in, in the project and to believe in themselves and, you know, just go and run and not, and not question anything and not, you know, doubt yourselves on this is such a hard world. You know, it's a, you want to, I, you know, like, it's like, what are the odds that we'll play Coachella one day? How are we possibly going to do these things? You know, and just saying not how, just like, how can we, what is it that we need to do? So it's been, it's been crazy and it's, it's been such a cool process and I've learned so much. Um, and I'm so grateful to so many people and for a lot of these lessons and it's, and it's been a process. So I think that a lot of it too, even with when it comes to having figured out management, you know, a lot of it has just been a, a fluid learning process of me kind of getting into the system and learning from peers and, and watching how record labels work and asking questions and not being afraid to ask questions and, and just kind of being curious um, and just being curious with the intent of doing the best work that I can and doing the best that I can for Arizona was, was really, really kind of a, a big fundamental for me and, and just growing as a manager and as a person, you know, so it was, it was very cool in that way. So for those who might not know, can you describe a little bit of what an artist manager does? Sure. Um, it's a hard question to answer in the, in the form to where I'll answer exactly what every artist manager does because every day is different. I think the, the role that they play in certain aspects can differ from artist manager to artist manager, but I guess to summarize it in the, the most simple context, the way that I look at it is the artist manager is the central hub of communications for everything that happens around an artist. Um, it's the, the central hub of communications. It's a central hub of strategy. It's a central hub of, of action to where at least like, so in the case of Arizona, you know, it's like we, I'm the, I'm the primary point of, of contact to which our label interfaces with, our agents interface with, the lawyers interface with, publishers interface with. So it's, if there's any active conversation happening around the band or there are ideas that people are trying to bring to life, you know, it, it always will come to the manager first 
to kind of figure out, A, is this something that we can do? How do we do it? And then from there, it's my job to then facilitate it with the artist to say, is this something that we want to do? How would we do it and execute it in your vision? Um, you know, how, and then you obviously lending my own expertise is saying, you know, what are my recommendations in the situation? What are the things that we should be doing? And, and is this something that we should even be considering? How does this play into our long-term strategy or short-term strategy? Um, you know, and then outside of, outside of that aspect of kind of what seems much more of like a, a fundamental business and entrepreneurial approach, managers also are, you know, a lot of ways it's like, a at least to myself, I'm, I'm like a nurturing Jewish mother. You know, I'm, I'm always looking after, I'm always looking after my kids. It's true though. Cause I, cause it's like, you know, I think I've always been, you know, I, I grew up the oldest of three siblings. Um, I've always looked after my brothers and, you know, more than just knowing that people are having or are succeeding career wise, there are so many aspects to a person and so many aspects that help somebody grow as an artist, as a business person, as in, you know, as anything in life. And, you know, I think I've always taken a very, very strong interest in helping people and the people that I work with, you know, outside of the, the potential financial benefits, it's more of growing as people is ultimately what's going to make us the best people that we can be. Um, and I think that I've been very fortunate to have been raised by two incredible parents. And, you know, I think that when I see potential for people to learn or to grow in experiences, I think I also try to help in my own ways. I, I listen, I just try to, you know, if people have questions about something going on in their own personal lives and they're struggling with this thing and, you know, or it's a relationship issue. Oftentimes I think that artists have found because managers are kind of like so close to them on a daily basis, we kind of build these very special relationships that kind of go beyond just, you know, what is the business topics of the day? What are we struggling with on a business front? How do we grow the artist project? But rather also, these are the, th the issues that I'm dealing with personally in my life, or these are the circumstances to which I came from. Um, some of which might, might affect the business in some way, shape or form. Some of them don't, you know, like, but if, it, if someone has a financial predisposition that makes it difficult for them to focus their time on music, and saying, well, I, I can't, I, I need to afford a lifestyle to which I can have some time in the studio, or it's like, I have to pay these bills and I need to take care of my family that, you know, they are also in a position. And it's like, I see that they're have the ability to be very successful artists and we can do that. But first there's a little bit of groundwork that we got to take care of to even put you in a situation to where you you can excel or you can succeed. Um, so I think it's, it's interesting because like management also takes on that role to where, you know, we, I think you, you become a confidant, but also kind of a, a kind of a life coach in a way too. Um, and at least for me, I love that. I, I live for that. I, helping people and, and being able to be a part of that is super important. Um, but there are definitely also challenges with it. And there's a balance that needs to be struck because, you know, it, it can be very easy to get carried away and so invested in that to where you kind of forget to take care of your own life, which is, it's, which is a funny thing. And it's, and it's, it's definitely a, a process that I think I, I like to think that every manager kind of goes through in their, in their careers where you're realizing that you do need to strike that balance for yourself because you're putting so much of your time into, and the, I think a big reason is because we're so passionate. You're putting so much of your time into developing your artist as an artist and also make sure that fundamentally as a person that they're, you know, in a great place. What practical steps can one take to learn more about the industry and set, uh, set foot into a career as an artist manager? That's, a, that's a, a very good question. And it's a hard one, too, because I think that there is no, I mean, one of, the, one of the biggest things that I've come to learn is there's definitely no conventional path into being a manager and to getting into artist management. It's very hard to at least expect to graduate school and just fall into a role in artist management. The biggest thing that I, I can recommend to anybody is, if you're passionate about music and if it is, if it is, if you're, you're young and realize that you want to be an artist manager from the jump and that's something you truly feel passionate about, then look, that, let it treat it as your North star. You know, it's like treat whatever you want to do as kind of a North star and just kind of keep that in the back of your mind, you know, go through life, try to find the opportunities that'll help you further yourself as a person, you know, and if that's trying to find any music opportunity that you can, by all means do it and pursue it with your, your, you know, your full heart. But, 
it can be hard too. And it can be daunting where, you know, I graduated from school. I had a great marketing degree from a very, very good business school. You know, I, I had experience writing for blogs. I thought I had a resume that, that was at least saying in some way, shape or form, this kid is ready to go into music, give him an opportunity. Um, and I was wrong. I, you know, there was no, there were no openings at the time or not enough or, you know, or my experience did not seem to be significant enough to warrant anybody to say, all right, well, we got to interview this kid. We got to give him a job, you know? And so for me, I went with where my other passions were as a marketing kid. I loved brands. I'd been involved with brands and I wanted to go down that route and say, well, if music happens, it happens, you know? And, and for me, then I fell into it kind of part of my French, but asked backwards on Reddit, you know, into a post that, you know, a, a, a band that has just started posted. And I think that kind of also led me to, I guess the second part of the answer to this question is if you find something that you're passionate about, if you find music, you find an artist that seems like they're early stages and you're interested in artist management, reach out. That's it. Reach out, ask if there's a way that you can help because you will be surprised. Um, I think there's, and it's hard because I think in a lot of ways it kind of feels like taking a leap of, you know, I'm jumping at this thing. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like how, why would they listen to my email? Why would they even bother read this? You know, but coming from a kid who sent them a blind note with no experience on SoundCloud, you know, and, and people reply, you know, and, and also now being on the other side of, you know, I see people, I get emails all the time from people that are interested in, in music experience and, want to learn something. And even if I don't have the availability or I don't have, you know, I don't have a space right now to look for, you know, to have an assistant or have someone come on for this, you know, I see the emails, I see people reach out and I respond to emails. You know, it's, it's not this, this, this concept to where I'm just going to, I'm going to reach out and there's no shot that anybody will reply. If you're interested in artist management, you know, I think the especially in this day and age, because the internet is the internet and people are really, it's so easy to get a hold of people, reach out to people, reach out to, if it's an artist that you think is awesome, reach out to them, say, is there anything I can do to help? If there's an artist that you know is already managed, but you think that they're incredible and you want to see if there's a way that I can help, reach out to the artist or their management team and say, do you need help? You know, I'm, I'm looking to get, you know, to get my hands dirty. I'm looking to learn a little bit. Um, cause you'll be surprised. I think that's, that's a, a, a definitely a way to at least meet somebody. If, if it's not going to be a guaranteed way into learning something, you'll meet someone. Um, and maybe you can, you know, and I always suggest like, I'm, I'm very big on meeting people in person, um, spending time with people because ultimately at the end of the day, this community is not as big as we all think it is, you know, so offer to go get a cup of coffee with someone, get a, get a bite, get something to drink, you know, and, and just pick their brain doesn't have to be, there doesn't have to be a motive tied to it, but you might walk away with, an ex with, with learning, having learned something, you might walk away with the other person saying, Oh, like, you know, I don't have anything that I can offer you, but I have a buddy, you know, and I got to spend some time with you and, you know, I learned a little bit about you. You learned a little bit about me. Maybe I introduce you to my buddy who's either looking for someone to help or, you know, that maybe can help you or link you with somebody. But I think if you have that kind of air of persistence and, and just, you just want to follow your passions. Don't give up on it that easily. And just, it's so, it's really, it's easier than it seems to reach out. And I think that also for managers, being resourceful is kind of the most fundamental skill that you need to have because no one is going to be able to find the answer for you. Ultimately, when, you know, if I'm tasked by the band to say, I want to do this. And, and, and it's like, you know, then when I get that or if we're the label or someone says, I want to do this or I want to, or this is something we should think about doing, you know, that's kind of where the buck stops and the, the baton is then handed to the manager is then that's all I have to work with. So then I have to figure out how do we do it? You know, and that's what makes, I think things move forward. That's what makes great managers, great managers is instead of just saying like, Oh, that's, that's great. But like, how do you, how do you do that? Rather than how, okay, well, then how can we do that? Who do I reach out to? Who are the people that I have conversations with? Um, and again, it all goes back to the internet. You know, these these computers in front of us, they, these are the answers to that. You just Google it. If you're not sure, you Google it. You know, and if you know someone that has experience, you ask a question. 
And so the same thing goes with if you want to be an artist manager, you're interested in the world of management. All you have to do is just find people that are making music that you're really interested in or managers that you may admire and send them a note, you know, like it, that's, that's, I think it's that easy to begin. And at the very least, you know, like I, I've, I've been really, it's, it's one of the coolest things for me to, to see, especially to see people that reach out to me and that my story has impacted them in some kind of a way, which is a weird, also surreal thing. But like, you know, it's, it's a very special thing for me to be able to at least try to help people too, where they reach out and I'll at least give them some of my insights and saying basically the same thing is don't be afraid of it and just try to find a way and reach out. Um, you know, there was the same thing. I, I, people had said, I know this artist that I think is really talented, you know, and like they they have some music online and they're like, you know, but I'm not like, I can't, I'm not a manager. And I was like, you think I was a manager when I started? If they just need their, the artist is just looking for someone to, to say, Hey, I've got your back and I can help you figure some things out. And if it works out in the long term, it does, it's it, been great. And if not, you've learned something and maybe it'll help make you better for the next thing. So I guess adding on to that question, when you're building your team, do you yeah. search for people who excel and master one area or do you seek uh, for people who have a more multidimensional career? Um, it, it, that's an interesting question too, because I think that so far in my experience, a lot of the people that I've worked with, at least especially in the case of Arizona, where the Arizona is more than just a band. It's, it's really, it's about a family and it's about a lot of us that, you know, the band and, and some of their closest friends, they all grew up together and it's, it's kind of a platform to which, you know, we have incredibly talented friends around us. And for us, it's like, well, we need someone to help us execute this video content, this music video, you know, and we have our buddy, Mike, who, you know, who's a, a fantastic director and it's like, all right, well then you help us with this and you know, you'll, and that'll be an opportunity of exposure for you that you can now say, Oh, well you did something for Arizona and that leads him to get a better job. Um, you know, with our touring team, you know, our, our tour manager, Dan is one of the band's oldest friends. Um, and Dan's background resume was basically, he was a touring musician. He understood how venues work. He knows how he knows the instruments far better than, I, I was, you know, I was never a live performing musician. So I don't, when I get to a venue and I see instruments, I don't know how to set them up. I don't know where, you know, how we're supposed to run the show, but I say, okay, who are the people that have a familiarity and an expertise in this and how can we empower them? And so I think that naturally with time, you find who is the right fit for a role and who's not. I think obviously your, you know, your resume can tell you some, only so much about a person. Because some people are lucky to have decorated resumes, but there are also people that never got a chance to get that opportunity or to get those experiences. And at least for me, my personal philosophy is if I believe that somebody has a passion for it, you know, for the role, you know, I won't, I won't just put somebody who, you know, I, I played a great pickup basketball game against and say, oh, you should be our accountant. You know what I mean? But like if, you know, if there's somebody that I know saying that he comes from, you know, a bit of a financial background and you know, he's, you know, he, he understands what we're doing on the live front. Like in the case of our buddy, Josh, who's our production coordinator, and he oversees a lot of the finances of what we do. You know, it's like he came from a financial background to some degree. You know, he understands, he's very familiar with live music and how this stuff works. And he's got a clear passion and wants to be a part of this business. Put him in the position and, you know, over the last few years, I've just, I've watched him flourish and, you know, I'm like, I can't even imagine how our business, how did our business run before he was there? You know what I mean? And so I think your resume can, can certainly speak about your experiences, but I think that it's, it, you could still have the most decorated resume in the world, but you may not be up for the challenge of what artist management or what working in music has to deal with, you know, it's not necessarily, it's certainly not a nine to five. I don't, you know, it's not just Monday through Friday and from between the hours of 9am and 5pm is the only time I think about music. You know, there's something going on at all times and you're, there are travel demands and there are a lot of aspects that, that can make it in, I guess, some sense strenuous and exhausting. But if you love what you do and you love music, it's not exhausting. It's fun. It's busy. Busy is the better way of putting it. So I think that it's less so about what your resume says about you. I think it's what your work ethic, what your, you as a person say about you. And I think it's just finding the right opportunities to get those chances. What do you look for in selecting the artists that you manage? Are there certain qualities that stand out for you? 
So I guess to, to, from my own personal experience and my story, so Arizona happened from simply finding them on the internet. I guess the quality that I had then found at the time was I found what seemed to be some of the best musicians I've ever encountered in my entire life that make this incredible music. So looking for something, because I'd never thought about being a manager until I found the music. And at that point, all I cared about was developing that and, and growing that and giving it a platform and allowing them just to flourish in the world to see how great the music was that they made. Um, and over time, it's taken, you know, I've been with them, you know, we've been all together for probably close to five years now. And it took me probably three to really get to feel like fundamentally I was there and understood what management was and how to really get a, you know, to, to have a good grasp on, you know, what my duties were of how to be efficient, you know, like how to keep the ship afloat comfortably before I could, you know, I, cause I also didn't want, I think it was, it was funny cause it was twofold. I didn't want to take on another artist or to manage more until I felt that I was a, a real manager in a way to where like, I understood what I was doing. I know how I can help other artists or how I can offer, you know, have bring something to the table for them rather than just saying, Oh, well, yes, I do this. I, you know, I manage Arizona, but I can also manage you. And the other part of it too was, you know, I got into management and started this stuff because of the Arizona boys. And so in a lot of ways, I think I was also anxious as a person and they were, you know, they've always been, you know, we, we love each other. We're family, but they've always been in a way I felt, you know, like it was a, I didn't want it to feel like mom was abandoning the kids to go work on other stuff. It was more of like, I wanted to make sure that we all felt like we're in a good place. Like we know, what we, you know, we've got everything under control. We know what we're doing. And it's like, you know, I have some free time because I, especially at the time when I started to, to really think about more, you know, we were in the process of writing a new album and, you know, I had, I was able to keep everything flowing and under control, but I had caught myself realizing that, you know, I'm done, you know, everything that needed to be done today is done and it's only, it's one thirty in the afternoon, you know? And I was like, there's, of course, there are more things that I could do and I'm actively thinking about it, but I was like, this is why managers will take on more clients. This is why once you've really gotten under control and you understand what you're doing, I can, I can do more. And the thing was, I wanted that not only because I wanted to, to stay busy and I wanted to diversify my income, but more so I wanted to continue to challenge myself. I wanted to continue to grow. And I think I also recognize how important that is to be able to be the best manager that I can be is by putting myself into new experiences and learning from them. And so that started with, after Arizona, I started managing uh, Arizona's protege slash little brother. His name is Ryan Pulford. And Ryan came into the picture really through the boys in a very natural way to where the band had been basically mentoring Ryan and teaching him how to write and produce his own music for the better part of about eight years. And he'd always been like the Padawan protege, but he was at college. So he would be in town. So they lived in the same town in New Jersey together. He, you know, he'd come home for a few weeks at a time and he'd be in the studio with us and he wrote on the first album and, you know, he was, he was always there and it started to get to a point to where he had some songs and we were ready to put them out. And I remember even, you know, I wanted to help him in general just because I was like, well, like, you know, like when it comes to putting your music out, like you, you they, they um, everyone has questions and I've been the one who's been closest with dealing with that. So they had questions for me. And I remember even Zach, Arizona's lead singer had said to me, he was like, yo, he's like, do you think you can help Pulford out with his next release? And I was like, absolutely. And I did that. And, you know, I just kind of started to slowly naturally kind of help him and be a resource for him. And I think it just, it kind of happened naturally. I remember we were at a party once and he said to me, he was like, you know, he's like, when the time comes, he's like, I, I want you to be my manager. He's like, I would, I would love that. And I said, I would love nothing, nothing less than that. I, I, I want to help him, you know, but it was funny cause it was, a, it was getting to that conversation with the band at first, you know, you kind of are waiting for that first blessing to be like, you know, I feel like it's time. Are you guys cool with that? And thankfully they were all so supportive of it. You know, I think they all saw the merits and understood, you know, how this can help us all grow. And more than that, too, is it's it's giving me this opportunity to continue to expand and, and learn. And so Ryan, Ryan had been, you know, I started managing Ryan now for 
it's been probably a year and a half or so. I mean, we've really been going for probably a year and it's, and it's been a, it's been an amazing process. I'm really, really excited about what he's got coming out in the future. And then in the last, I would say three or so months, um, I took on another client. So I now have, I have three on my roster. Her name is Aliana. She's extremely talented. And with her, it was, there were, I guess it was a, it was a mix of things that kind of had presented it into, into my life. And that made me feel like this was something that I really wanted to pursue. And I wasn't, I wasn't really actively, I was interested in, in taking on something else because I knew I had the bandwidth for it. And I think for me, I was, you know, I think what I've told myself, at least lately, when I was, when I'm trying to figure out, you know, what can I take on? What are the additional risks I can take on to continue to learn? And what, how else can I continue to grow and build? I was like, you know, I think I can take on one more artist and I want to take on one more artist. Um, and with Aliana, it happened naturally to where her brother has been a long friend, a, a kind of a friend of ours for probably the last two or so years, just because, you know, he's, he's married to a girlfriend of someone who's very close with us. And, you know, naturally I, I met them and he had said, you know, my sister is looking to do music, you know, and she's been between here and LA and I really would like you to meet her. And I said, you know, naturally one thing led to another and I finally met her earlier this year and we sat down and, you know, I, I hadn't even really heard too much of her music at this point. I just knew, I knew, I know her family, at least I knew her brother well enough at the time. And, you know, I, I have a lot of love for her brother, but then I met her and the, the, the craziest thing about it too, is I think it's just genuinely when you feel that there's something special in a person, you kind of can sense it right away. Um, and that was kind of the thing that I felt with Aliana was this girl carries a light and she, she's just, she genuinely does. She has an incredible spirit to her. She's an extremely positive person. Um, she's very spiritual and she just wants to help the world in a lot of ways. And she, you know, she comes from a background to which she's kind of always had a bit of a public exposure to, to the public world, just given, you know, growing up. So she, her older sister is Lindsay Lohan. Um, and so she's always been known as Aliana Lohan and people have known her family. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the life that you, you grow up in when you have, you know, a very famous, successful movie star for a sister. Um, and the thing was too, is as much as that is such a big part of her life, you know, she has such an incredible story of her own to tell, and she has an incredible voice and music to share with the world. And she has a message and, you know, one of the cool things too, especially for me, what I saw is an incredible opportunity to help this girl build a platform and share that voice, you know, and it's, and it's, it's, it's an incredible thing to where the world is already somewhat aware of who she is as a person, but they don't know really what she's about. And we have this opportunity to really tell that story. And for me, as a guy who comes from the world to which, you know, brands are built and rebuilt and stories are told and people are able to get the exposure that, really can help make an impact. I think what, what I saw and I do see in her is this incredible opportunity to where, you know, and she has, and she's got an incredible voice is we have now been spending the last, you know, a few months just getting the music developed and understanding, you know, what is, what the sound is and, you know, what makes her so unique and really kind of leveraging that to make music that we feel really shares her message and also kind of, speaks volumes of who she is as a person and, and are getting ready to kind of prepare and roll that out to the world. And so I think with her, it was, it was a kind of a, rather than how Arizona and Ryan came into my life, it was more of having a feeling and the special feeling of this person is very special and I want to help them. And I think that they have a voice and I think that they've got something special to share with the world and I just want to help that happen. And I think all of it fundamentally for me, it just comes down to being, extremely passionate. And when I feel that this is something that justifies my time, this is something that I really want to pour myself into. This is something that I genuinely believe in. Um, that's kind of the, that's kind of like the green light in my mind. So that's, it's, it's different for everybody. Every, I think every manager has a different objective when they pull on and when they bring on an artist, some managers are purely interested in the financial benefits that they can reap from the artist at that time. They may not even be interested in the long-term success of that artist. I like to think that that doesn't really happen too much anymore, that 
most managers and, and it's definitely true for most managers that I know is, you know, it's a beautiful thing, this generation where everyone is just, they, we genuinely want to just build these artists to be lifelong artists and help them be able to live their passions for a very long time and help them grow in their careers. And the beautiful part is that that enables us to be able to do this for a lifetime, you know, for a lifestyle and, and for our own career to pay our rent, you know, and that's, that's kind of like the, the, the motive here is to be able to just, I love to be able to do what I want to do every day and work with people that I love. Um, so I think that at least for me, that's been my philosophy and that's at least how it's led me to find and work with the artists that I now work with. So other than your current roster of these three artists, has there been any artist that you've been eager to manage or work with? Anyone that you've discovered lately that you feel, you know, needs to be out there? Um, I think that there are incredible, incredible, incredible artists. I mean, there's obviously there's so many in the world, which is so amazing. I guess eager to manage for me, I I like to, I think I, I don't even let myself go to that point at this at, right now because I am just so focused on building my three. But it doesn't mean that I don't see potential in so many artists that are, that are growing right now. And it's cool because I think being tapped into the music industry now and whether it's agents or lawyers or watching how labels react around people and see them trying to, like, you know, they're discovering and they're signing new artists and they're developing them early on. You know, it's like, there's so much potential in this world and watching it grow and watching it succeed has been some of the coolest things. Like I remember two or so years ago, I remember meeting Billie Eilish and her team in Austin, Texas. Um, and they were doing like a showcase at a house that my buddy was like running an event for. And I had always thought Billie was awesome. I thought she was super talented. Um, and I, I liked her music and I was very curious to meet her. She had a super, she had like this cool aesthetic to her, which she obviously has grown <laughs> a billion fold since. And I remember going there and I was just blown away by her music. Her brother Phineas is incredibly talented too. And I had met that whole team and, you know, her manager, Danny, her mom, Maggie. And, you know, I later met her other manager, Brandon, but it's like, you know, that was a really cool example of somebody that I just saw so much potential in. Um, and it wasn't that I wanted to manage her. I was, I had my hands full. I was just, I was blown away and I just wanted to see, and I was excited to watch that grow. And, you know, it, whether it's Billy's story being, a, you know, obviously a very, very well-known example now because she is so successful and she just won three VMAs last night, like incredible and SNL and like all these things. It's, it's awesome and it's encouraging and it's inspiring to see it happen with other artists around you because I think that, you know, whether, whether or not it's something that you're interested in managing, I think when you see something that you believe in and then you get to watch it really grow, it's validating to show that like there was something very special here. There is something very special here. And so that's really cool to see. And with other artists up and coming and small ones, there's a lot of incredible talent out there. And I think if anything, if anything, I think it should be, it should serve as encouragement to aspiring artist managers out there of like, I see it, I'm, my hands are full, go get it. You know what I mean? You just got to look for it. Um, and, you know, like I, it's, there's like a, a, a the statistic that's been thrown around recently of, I think there's 70,000 new songs uploaded to Spotify every week. That's a lot of new songs. It's a lot of artists, a lot of artists that people have never heard of. You know, and it's like, well, the blog scene isn't as big as it was a few years ago. Who says that it's not going to come back and it's a big platform for discovery. But it's like, think about how many artists are not even being heard yet. You know, people are trying. There's a lot of people trying, but there's so much incredible talent out there. And it's, it's really, I mean, the barriers of entry of creating music are much lower than they've ever been. And I think that the barriers of getting into it are equally as low. I think you just got to not be afraid of, of kind of diving in and, and figuring it out for yourself. And that's kind of it. It's like, you know, you got to figure it out for yourself. That's just where it starts. I saw a really great video online last night saying that failure is an event, not a person or a fact. Do you agree with this statement? And how can we encourage society not to deem people as failures? You know, it's funny too, because I don't, I would never discourage failure either because I feel like discouraging failure discourages risk right? Like in risk taking. And I think that some of the biggest lessons I've, I've learned as a person, as a business person, as a manager, 
you know, have come from failures and mishaps and this wasn't, you know, this didn't go about the way that we wanted it to go, you know? So like, I think that, so you're saying that for failure is not a, per, what was the, the question? It's not a person, but it's an event. Yeah. It's an event, not a person or a fact. Yeah. I think, I mean, a failure is an event for sure more than it is any kind of a person. I mean, that kind of coincides the same thing with like when you find a person to work with, it's not necessarily their resume, but their work ethic. I think that people fail and it takes in that they're like growing pains are called growing pains for a reason. You know, growing pains are not just, it's not all smooth sailing. You, you know, you're, you're learning through process and, and that process includes successes and failures. And like, yes, if all of your, your successes are now outweighed, by your failures, then there's something that you got to fix and something you got to look into to say, how do we correct this and how do we make our machine run a bit more smoothly? But I think that failure is not something that I will ever encourage per se, but it's never something that I will discourage in the idea to where you should never, ever, ever be afraid to take risks or put yourself in potential situations to where you could fail. Because playing it safe isn't gotten, it doesn't get anybody anywhere. You know, I think that, and I also think that if you go through that route, you know, all the way through life, you'll never really be able to challenge yourself because you're just smooth sailing. And you also won't know if you're doing it better than you could, you know, playing it safe is the easy way to, I guess, to keep yourself from being disappointed. But I think that to be able to raise the stakes a little bit higher, you have to be, you can't really be afraid of failure. So like so much going on. What's one item you recently crossed off your bucket list? One item that I recently cro crossed off my bucket list. Um, I would say we played Europe for the first time. Um, Arizona played. So we've been on tour of Panic at the Disco. Uh, and Steph, I see your Pray for the Wicked necklace over there. Yes. <laughs> um, we did. A, we did. A, we were really, really fortunate to be on a world tour at Panic at the Disco, and we did arenas around the world. And it was. I mean, it was honestly, it was an incredible enough to just be able to do the American leg with them, where we played Madison Square Garden and Staples Center, and you know, and I think it was like twenty five other arenas around the country with them. And then they had offered us to come out to Europe with them and play the O2 Arena in London twice, and you know, play Germany and play France and Amsterdam. And I, and I think bucket list in general is to be able, even able to step foot into an arena and play a show, you know, regardless, I think that's, I mean, that's an achievement that I'll forever be proud of, you know, and I think it's, it's one of the coolest things. And we're very fortunate to have been able to do that. I think that, and then, but being able to go to Europe and really see Europe, because I had never been, to just a lot of these countries. Um, I'd never been to Paris and like, I'd never been to France. I'd only just gone to England for the first time with my girlfriend last year. And then we came in and played all these shows. I mean, bucket list to be able to see Arizona continue to expand and grow beyond just the U S borders and actually see it for yourselves. You know, we played Mexico last October. We're going back this year. You know, it's, that's it's it's just it's so cool to see so i mean bucket list yes but i have i mean that bucket list only gets bigger and bigger <laughs> do you have a go-to person when life gets a little overwhelming um yes i have i so it starts with my girlfriend probably my girlfriend and i have been dating for probably two and a half years now i think my mom and my dad have always been in, in incredible incredible supporters and confidants in my life um even you know even when I was first figuring out how to write emails confidently, I would run everything past them and say, does this make sense? Is this something that, you know, that, that is presentable to another person? And honestly, that's a huge, a huge fundamental in the way that I communicate with people now is I, I, you know, I, I definitely, I think I pride myself in my, in my email, my email writing ability and my ability to, to communicate with people. But, you know, that was a huge, my parents were a huge part of where I was even able to get to that, to that point. And then outside of that, I have, you know, I'm, I, I'm the oldest of three brothers. I'm very, very close to my younger brothers. And I have, you know, I, I'm fortunate to have some very, very close friends that I've met through, you know, whether it's been life or high school or college or music. But yeah, I mean, I think, I, I guess in general too, having a good support system around you is, 
you know, whether that's family or, or friends and people that understand you and support you more than anything that support you is so critical to being able to, to grow and be happy as a person. When was the last time or the last moment that really made you fall in love with your life and what you're doing right now? I, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm fortunate in the way to where I think that there have been a lot of those. And I think a lot of moments like that, I think the most recent one, I was in California with Aliana and we've been working and developing music and we had a, a studio session with uh, a very, very close friend of mine and a very close collaborator of Arizona's. His name is PJ Bianco. He's an incredible producer. He basically, in a lot of ways, taught the Arizona boys everything that they, they, that they know now um, when they were growing up in New Jersey. And I, as an artist developer, I wanted to put Aliana in the room with him because I knew that he would be such a good source of inspiration and energy and help us really kind of focus what we were doing. And so we had a session one night with him in LA and we just started to make music and it not only felt real and authentic to Aliana was as a, per, as a person, but I think all of us started to fall in love with that music and what we were creating. And I think it was this really cool re-energizing thing in a way, but also just energizing in general to where it was like, we're onto something this is beautiful. This is so cool. I'm so excited about what this is that we're building. We don't really know what it is yet, but this is a thing. Um, that was one. Um, another one that really, I think has been definitely a source of like personal pride. And also I would say that's been inspiring to me. That's really kind of validated a lot of the work that, that we've all done was we played so we played a festival in mexico in mexico city last year called corona capital and we were playing a uh, a tent like we had a, we were one of the tents one of the days and like probably like three o'clock in the afternoon and you know it, it always says on spotify or on your facebook analytics that you know mexico city is a very big city for music and they're they're good on big on social media um which is an interesting stat but it you know mexico city is a very very active place when it comes to music and social media but you don't, you didn't really know what to expect when you got there. And, you know, we were, we like to manage our expectations. We don't, you know, want to roll up and assume that, you know, just because this is what that statistic says that we're, you know, it's going to be the biggest show we've ever played. Um, but we played this tent at three o'clock in the afternoon and like 15,000 people came the tent overflowed. And this is our first time in Mexico. You know, this is our first time in this country playing and to see that the, that the fact that it really connected that strongly with people, you know, and after the show, people were, people were, I remember like there were people lining up at the gates waiting to see the band and they were like talking about the band as if like they were the next coming of Queen and like, it was like crazy stuff that you're like, this is insane. This is special. And the fact that it's connecting people, it's like that it, it's, it's. I mean, if anything, it's a constant reminder to like, keep doing what you're doing, you know? And it's, and just to keep, it's like, whatever, whatever we're doing, we're doing something right. And I think outside of that too, I think seeing, being able to really bond and have such a good relationship with all of my artists, I think is, is just a kind of a constant, like source of energy for me of everybody seeing happiness, seeing people loving what they're doing and enjoying it. And, you know, times get tough for sure. You know, we have, moments where we feel overwhelmed with work or there's a lot of financial stress, especially when we're, we're growing our, our, our business as artists and as musicians and as a business. Um, but to see everybody be happy, I think is also what makes it really worth it and validating and tells you to keep going. You had mentioned that the culture theory is one of many endeavors that you would like to embark on. What else do you foresee in your future? So that's a good question. And I think these are, this is kind of looking more into the long term for me. I think, Artist management was definitely the first place that I, I, I think I fell into developing my business and it just happened in a natural way. Um, and so the culture theory is what I'm calling essentially the management arm of, of music and things and, and those endeavors that I do, but it might, you know, that may extend into whether it's the culture theory or, or a business beyond. I think I've always had, a, I mean, I've had a passion for a lot of things outside of music, music being the core of it, but I love technology. I would love to invest into cool companies that I think are really making an impact and changing the game, whether that's the way that people interact with each other or it's, or it's something that people are, can use to help each other. Um, 
I love, I'm a huge foodie. I would love to one day get involved with restaurants, um, you know, and, and just take actual, like, you know, really, really cool creative concepts and bring them to life in a, in a cool culinary way. All of these are things that I eventually want to do, but it's, you know, it kind of starts with fundamentally establishing your business and being able to have a foundation to which it can actually build on top of that. So, you know, it, it may be, it could be 10 years, it could be 10 months until, you know, that stuff can all expand. And I think that whatever it is that I end up doing and that I, that I grow into, I think it's ultimately just, it's gotta be something that I'm passionate about and that I'm excited about and the ability. And I think the ability to be able to invest myself, you know, whether that's financially or my time into something that I'm excited about, whatever world that it lives in, I think is, it would be an incredible thing. And so I think for me, I, I figure that I don't, I shouldn't just set the bar of saying management is all I'll ever do, but rather how do I continue to expand and do more? Jake, thank you so much for joining us today on this. I felt like I've gotten so much at, not only as a creative, but as like a human being, just like having this conversation and realizing somebody's going on this journey. Um, so before, <laughs> so before we wrap up, um, V, do you want to give people your social media links and let them know where they could connect with you? Yeah. So I do, um, portrait and concert photography and you can find me on instagram it's fantastic.photography fantastic but replace that with v <laughs> i love that and jake where can people connect with you either on social media or wherever they want to find you if they're an upcoming musician or if they're just wanting to be inspired by a fellow creative yeah totally so my personal instagram is posner so it's at posner uh the culture theory is at the culture theory and then uh, I use LinkedIn sometimes actually to, to post stuff. So I, if you want to find me on LinkedIn, it's linkedin.com slash in slash Jake Posner. Fantastic, Jake. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Steph V, thank you guys so much for having me. This is so fun. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for uh, joining the show. Jake really hit home the message of how important it is to reach out when you're really passionate about something. Not everyone will say yes, but your heart and your energy will not go unnoticed. Take the shot and make those connections. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Jake, visit the link in the show notes. Popner Lounge is executive produced by Steph Pham and V Co. V serves as the producer and creative director, and Steph Pham is the host and the show's editor. For all things Popner Lounge, visit our website, popnerlounge.com. Thanks for joining us for a conversation for creatives by creatives. We hope you tune in next time for Popner Lounge. I'm Steph Pham.